Matthew chapter 7. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. You'll receive the same judgment you give. Whatever you deal out will be dealt to you. Why do you see the splinter in your brother or sister's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take that splinter out of your eye when there's a log in your eye? You deceive yourself. First, take the log out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's or sister's eye. Don't give holy things to dogs. Don't throw your pearls in front of pigs. They will stomp on the pearls and then turn around and attack you. Ask, and you will receive. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door is opened. Who among you will give your children a stone when they ask for bread? Or give them a snake when they ask for a fish? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? Therefore you should treat people in the same way you would want people to treat you. This is the Law and the Prophets. Go in through the narrow gate. The gate that leads to destruction is broad and the road is wide. So many people enter through it. But the gate that leads to life is narrow and the road difficult. So few people find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you dressed like sheep, but inside they are vicious wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Do people get bunches of grapes from thorny weeds? Or do they get figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, and every rotten tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a rotten tree can't produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, You will know them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will get into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. On the judgment day, many people will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and expel demons in your name and do lots of miracles in your name? Then I'll tell them, I've never known you. Get away from me, you people who do wrong. Everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against the house. It didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. But everybody who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice will be like a fool who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house. It fell and was completely destroyed. When Jesus finished with these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he was teaching them like someone with authority, not like their legal experts. Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm Jess Kiefer. Today on the podcast, we 
finish this look at the Sermon on the Mount. And we do so by looking at Jesus' concluding words. Many scholars say that the the Lord's Prayer that we focused on Mm -hmm. last week and those instructions on vital piety and expression of faith are the center, the fulcrum Mm -hmm. of the sermon. And so we are on the back half, the downhill slide, the... The, we've been told what the new we ethic looks the like. Climax. What, yes, yeah. what new piety looks like, and now, in many ways, we're we're kind of given some pretty significant um, impulses, <laughs> uh, reason, um, and expectation yeah. to to begin to put it into practice, to live it. But I don't want to get too far ahead of us here, right? No. We, um, <laughs> I had to laugh a minute ago. Siri bumped up on my phone and said, would you like to set a timer for 30 seconds? She knows. Oh my gosh. She knows. She knows. Yes. She that has, freaks me out. <laughs> uh, she knows our pattern. And so, yes, Siri, I would. We need 30 second timers on the clock um, so that we can have 30 second summaries. Okay. Now, somehow this is easier when I don't use this Siri When you don't suggestion. use the shortcut. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's because I'm old or because it is hard, but <laughs> either way, I now have it. It you got to 18 seconds before I had to cancel it and start and back start over. And start over. Yeah. It's hard being the old man in the room. Um, who wants to go first? Not me this time. I think I've done it both times. Like <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Right. I'm ready. All right. In three, two, one. Okay, so this one is all about first we're going to take a journey. So to do that, you have to be open to taking the journey, and then you're going to do it. It's a it's a progression of ask, seek, knock, and there's um, you're doing this because you're not judging. You're willing to actually engage and go on the journey. And then as you're on this journey, don't get sidetracked by false prophets. You're going to keep going, and if you keep going well, you will come to a point where you do reach the day where you are judged. And if you are worthy, you can have this like setup of two foundations. And it's really cool because at the end, Jesus is like, I'm different. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Okay. Wow. All right. Got there. I'm not going to be as wordy. Right. That's that. that was a lot of words in yeah, 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, you may win an award. Uh, Actually, that was not very fast for me. So I used to, in, co- in uh, high school and college, do this thing called spreading. And some of the debate formats uh-huh. that I did where you could do like about 500 words per minute if you were on the upper end of it. That is crazy. It is crazy. Uh, and you had to like learn how to listen to decipher what's being said because there's, Yeah. We can bring so, Matt Molden on. I was about to say, you, you, you want to do some auctioneering, too? I feel like it's a good like opener to get you into auctioneering. You know, yeah, sure. Everybody who, who took debate in college is looking for a career path anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Ouch. <That's> right. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, you know, said the guy with a master's of divinity degree. So, you know, there's, right. um, you know, it's the pot calling the kettle black. Here. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fine. I also went on to get a master's of divinity. So you're in good company. We are in good company. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, all right. Kiefer, you want to go or do you want to? I'll, I'll give it a shot. All right. In three, two, one, begin. All right. This might be cheating, but I think this is best summarized in uh, the ask, search, knock paragraph and the tree and its fruit paragraph. And I think it not only summarizes this chapter, but all three of these chapters that we've read this time is that um, if you're looking for the right things first, right? A couple weeks ago, we got that idea first, then they'll be given to you. And the tree and its fruit don't judge things by the external or well. The, the metaphor somewhere in there, don't judge things by their appearance first, right? The tree makes good fruit. Kind of, I don't know if I can accurately say what I'm trying to say in 30 seconds, but <laughs> just read the paragraph again. Just read it again. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a great 30 second summary. I'm going to read you 30 seconds from this text again. <laughs> Ask, and you will be Who am I to summarize the words of our Lord? <laughs> <laughs> the words are read, therefore you read them. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. Okay. You going for it, Daniel? I feel like Daniel's like hyping He's himself like, up over yeah, here. Yeah, that's it. That, you know, in charging uh, the one yeah. piece of preparation I did not do for today was to actually figure out what my little one sentence <laughs> summary uh-huh. of my thirty-second summary is. So, mm. um, 
Yeah, that's like a tactic with like uh, sermons that they always tell you to do is like, to, yep. can you distill it into one sentence? Yep. I feel like you're probably a better practitioner of that than I am. Probably. And the joy, <laughs> well, I don't, you know, the joy, we're on staff together. I like we preach right. probably. We, we, I don't actually end up getting to hear you preach all that often. Just uh-uh. having faith conversations with yeah. you. You are probably better at taking people on a journey than I am. <laughs> and I'm better at beating them over the head with the here's your one sentence. Um, There's so, value in both. There, there is. Now, if we could just master the combination of those Ooh. two techniques. Melissa, like, walks um, you down the path. I hear Melissa speak every week. She, like, walks you down this nice path nice path through her sermon, and I feel like if I ever tried to preach, which I have before, it's more of, like, a roller coaster than a, <laughs> yeah. than a like, nice path, like, walking. It's, like, very all over the place. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is wonderful imagery. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, all right. Now we've delayed enough for you, we I have, think. We have. We have. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. This section of the Sermon on the Mount is all about the intersection place of hearing and action, putting what we have heard, what we have been told into place in our lives. It begins with judging, it continues with seeking after God's hopes and dreams, and it gets manifest in concluding with conversation around what can happen and what cannot happen when we fail or adequately put things into practice. It gives us the consequence but not in the sort of oh. negative hyperjudgmental <laughs> not the what um, <laughs> not the threatening kind of consequence but just yeah. naming the truth of the reality that can happen I mean that's um, good thoughts but none of that counts <laughs> none of it counts <laughs> the, uh, yeah it is this is a this is I feel like the other couple uh-huh. of chapters that we've done this for have had more succinct um, or not succinct, but more consistent, like chapter six was all about sort of our piety and, and the way in which we mm-hmm. express our faith and our worship and our adoration, right? It, you know, it's about prayer and fasting and and serving through giving, right? And right. each one of those, the, the framework that Jesus lays out is pretty consistent, right? It's yeah. do it this way, and then there's some mm-hmm. application, right? Yeah. Um, when Jesus is laying out the upside down ethic in chapter five, right? You have these beatitudes, these blessings that prepare you to go, Oh, I got to think differently right now. Right. And then the, you've heard it said, I say to you, yeah, this, it, it can feel on the surface. Like we're jumping a lot more. Right. Um, but I don't know that we are. I don't I think, think we are. Like, I think it, I, I, I feel that too when I read it. Like, it mm-hmm. was two weeks ago that, like, I did my 30-second summary in 15 seconds because it's right. like, it's all about don't be showy, the right. end. Right. Like, that was all I needed to, like, wash communicate. Your face right. And yeah. Wash your hair. Exactly. Uh, while you're fasting. Right. Um, but in this one, I think it is um, that, like, it is all those last things where it's like, if you have changed your heart to the upside down ethic, mm-hmm. if you have started to put into practice these things, then you're going to be living in a way like outwardly, that's going to be a reflection of those inward changes that you've made. Mm-hmm. And that these are just the natural final follow throughs of that inward life, like showing out. And it's also kind of that, like, I think it kind of becomes like that health point check for Mm. you as well to say like, wait, have your new outward, like, are you doing these upside down things? Are you doing these, um, like you're not being showy anymore, but because you're supposed to, you know, have you made that the new, like, Mm. oh, I'm doing it right kind of thing. Like this is kind of that soul check to say, no, go back and like, you know, are you going down this path? Um, at the opening of like not judging, right? Or right. you do are are you you know brushing your hair, washing your face when you're fasting and going around and being like, well, Daniel's being awfully showy today about fasting, right. you know? Right. Like, are you right. in your heart? Are you right? being showy about not being showy? Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> no, I think that I think there is wisdom there, and and one of the things that I noticed um, as I was reading in advance for today, the, we have this, it closes with this fourfold expression. You've got the narrow gate, you've got the tree and the fruit, you've got the entrance requirements, right? Mm-hmm. That not everybody who says, Lord, Lord will get in. Which used to scare the crap out of me. This, these like three verses that, that I was like, I don't get it, but we'll talk about it in a second. Sorry, okay. Keep, okay. Keep going. <laughs> uh, well, and then you've got that followed by the two foundations. As I read that, that's four expressions of the same thing over yes. and over again, right? It, yeah. It's, it's, in, in that way, Jesus is continuing the pattern he has shown us earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Where he says, you know, 
don't commit murder, but I say to you, don't even be angry. And mm-hmm. here's sort of some ways here's, that that, yeah, yeah sort of, the step backs on that of where do you should get to yes. kind of thing. And if the, the whole point is, man, this is so critically important that you get it right and you get the spirit right and that yeah. you get have the action and the spirit aligned mm-hmm. right, I'm going to give you four distinct ways of expressing a very similar pattern that is intended to elevate to you the primacy and the importance of this. Yeah. Right. So you have the foundations talk, you have mm-hmm. the scare the crap out of you talk. Cause it right. scared the crap out of me for a long time too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Same. You have the tree and the fruit uh, conversation, right. That, mm-hmm. that just gives you another vivid imagery, yeah. a piece of imagery that, um, and, and then you've got the narrow and the wide gate and the narrow right. and wide paths. And, um, but the aim of each one of those four things in succession is, is the same, you know, I'll, in preaching, you talked about the practice of preaching earlier, right? Uh-huh. For a long time, the joke was most preachers would give you three points in a poem, yep. right? Uh, the new thing is in light of, if you can say it in one sentence, mm-hmm. right? Say it and then say the same thing three different ways, yep. right? And that's what Jesus is doing. But it's here. very, mm-hmm. it's very Jesus. It is very Jesus. Um, so, Kiefer, let's talk about scaring oh, okay. you because that's always fun. Um, well, yeah, I just think that the so this is specifically about the not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like these, I think it's three verses, twenty-one through twenty-three. Like, I, I I just think that it was presented to me first as like a, and this is why we have to be Christians and like say we're Christians and do the things is because we okay. get into the kingdom. And if you're not saying these things, then you won't. And that's like the whole point. And then as I grew up, it just seemed to like. Like, I mean, I think I said on the podcast too, like he would always, I, there was the dis, uh, discrepancy for me, like around my early college years where, where when he would talk to Jews, he would sort of say these, some things, but then he would also go and talk to right. Gentiles and encounter these people and say nothing about the law or like fought, like all these things. So it was really hard for me to get that distinction. But where I've come to now with it is just like, I think it's too simple to just say like, we like saying you are a, a thing and following the, like when he says, um, <clears throat> where, where is it? That's 23. I think, um, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out the demons in your name and do the deeds of power? And I, and I, and I look at, uh, a lot of the, you know, big church, like big C church today, like kind of, that's just how I, <laughs> that's just, I can't help but like see that in a lot of what's happening within the church. And I, and I can't help but look outside sometimes and like people that I know personally and things like that, who are, um, not saying Lord, Lord, you know, like in the same ways and, and to use Jesus's language that are following the Sermon on the Mount, it's much better than other you know, Christians or things that I, that I've encountered before too. And so this whole, this, this, these three verses have just have, impacted me a lot and if I've thought a lot about like what I think about it because I think that just so much hangs on these final words like in the in the Sermon on the Mount and I and a lot of people I don't know I think it's just because people have like I've just heard a lot of people use them as like that shot like Mm -hmm. but Jesus said not all you know like Mm -hmm. enter the kingdom which means we're doing it right it's always like that defense right I've heard it too often as a defense for myself and my own actions like when it's been presented to me so I don't know. Yeah. That's been my thing with it. Kiefer, as you talk about that, that it it sparks a, a place in me because there have been a, a lot of moments. I have a confession to make as a pastor that mm. uh, I am often incredibly cynical of movies and or other pieces of pop culture that have been labeled Christian. Amen. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> as a movie person and a Christian and like all these, yeah, I totally am with you. Yeah. And, and, and because I feel like if, there are so many things that if you have to slap the label on it, mm-hmm. um, it, it's a mark. It's a piece of marketing at that point. Does that make sense? This movie is is Christian, therefore you should go buy it. And I mean, in, in the cynical right. side, of, I mean, again, I'm being cynical. I get that. I understand that. Um, but how many pieces, I mean, we just spent a whole month and a half this fall on mm-hmm. naming songs within our pop culture that don't right. carry the label of Christian, yeah. but, but speak. do profoundly speak the gospel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think sometimes, you know, when we label something as Christian, we're, we're labeling it as it's going to fit within this narrow, it's going to fit within this version of the God box. Right. Not that it's going to fully articulate the faith or fully articulate right. um, yeah. God's, transcendent hopes for for life and humanity in the world 
Um, but it's going to say, this is safe yeah. if you mm-hmm. don't want to leave your box. And this is, you know, um, and it's so comfortable. Like, yeah, it's yeah. comfortable. And so like reframing uh, Jesus for this kind of space is not everything, not every movie that is labeled Christian will actually push you toward a gospel life. Right. right? Um, yeah. Would be a different way of, of saying that. Well, this, you know, th- this makes me get up on my like Christian adjacent uh, box, which goes, you know, past just music, right? Like that was kind of the first avenue. Right. Trademark, Pastor Melissa Turkett, <laughs> 2019. Oh. Right. Uh, but the idea that I think sometimes when we put the Christian label on things, mm-hmm. it actually makes us like get lazy. It mm. makes us get lazy with the work that we do around it, with the theology we do around it. It with the movies that I have seen, like they can be nice, they can be good, but can I like personally? Can I just say a lot of them are so so cheesy, mm. and I feel like that's yeah. a a leaning back and being honestly, in my opinion, lazy. Um, whereas, you know, I think it was like a couple series ago on the podcast. I had just seen the, uh, well, the two popes, absolutely. Which that one, you know, has to have Christian, you know, it's about two popes, but yet it's not advertised or labeled to the Christian audience. And that one, you know, is still blowing my mind and some of the theology work. But then also, you know, I came back singing the praises of the Mr. Rogers Mm. um, movie as well. Isn't labeled Christian anywhere in its advertising or anything of that, but it's an excellently made movie. And Tom Hanks is, he is teaching gospel through Mm. his acting. Um, yeah. there's power in, um, in, in it, not that we should go around, you know, hiding who we are, right? Like, that's not what we're saying, but it is that like, it goes back to, you know, where's the heart, you know, right. are you now not being a showy faster, but like judging those around you, right? Which I think mm-hmm. some of our pop culture stuff has, that labels itself Christian can fall into that category of like, I'm going to judge you for liking the secular stuff. Man, this is just get, thinking me back, taking me back to like the childhood teachings, like the This Little Light of Mine song and mm. things like that. And I, I, for some reason, the City on a Hill language was like, I was introduced to me in my Sunday school class. Like it really, so it was all mm-hmm. about kind of that evangelism kind of basis for like when you get older, that was the basis. Like don't hide your light under a bushel, go out and show it and be that city on the hill. And sometimes as I've gone back and as an adult, I'm like, we literally build cities on hills to like show God to ever like do, yeah. do the, like, I don't know. It sometimes it just feels so like we do exactly what it says. So that it, and it's almost easier, like, like to have these big kind of grand, I'm showing my light in the city that I've built like all over the place with these movies and giant churches and these things, like big show sometimes is what it feels like to me. And, um, yeah, I don't, that's what you just mean. And like, but. well, like, I think with all that, some of the most like powerful Christians that I have had as mentors, as people I've observed in my life, like they live so deeply rooted in that light that they don't need all the like, how fast I was going earlier, right? Like right. in the 30 second recap, they don't need all of that to simply just do what Jesus is teaching here. Mm. Um, and I think that's the challenge for us. Um, and I think it's probably a mark of our maturity in some ways in our Christian faith of like, how many things are we having to say like, oh, like how many things do we feel like, Kiefer, you mentioned it earlier, like there was this need to like defend, like, yeah. whereas I think Jesus's invitation that we see is very much an openness mm. constantly throughout the um, the entirety of the Sermon of the Mount is how are you opening yourself to then examine what's truly going on mm-hmm. and change um, to do transformation work. And that's a lot more vulnerable. Yeah. That's a yeah. lot more brave. That's a lot harder work than staying in the comfort. And it never stops too. Sometimes yeah. I feel like people throw that out too. And it's like, and I've done it. Like I have, I'm, I'm here like, right. and you know, I'm doing the right things. I've done the right things. Yeah. So I've already, and yeah. And so I don't know. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I, I also kind of like not in my head that this was a passage that always scared me as well mm-hmm. as a kid. And this is the importance of like doing hard and good theological work in my opinion, because I was given a theology growing up and I grew up, you know, 
very loving. Like I learned so much from it, but there were things that weren't said. And then some things, the way they were framed Mm. that when I'd come to a passage like this of like, Lord, Lord, like not everyone who says, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Like that hit me in a place where I thought, well, if I wasn't constantly living from the Christian ethic, and if I didn't, if I couldn't name all the things I needed to ask forgiveness for, Mm -hmm. then I was going to arrive at the day of judgment. And Jesus was going to be like, yeah, Melissa, you thought a bad thought about your friend in second grade. And therefore, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I mean, I, I laugh at it now. Right. Like, but that was a deeply rooted fear in my childhood self. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, it is refreshing and it's scarier to hand children even you know a much bigger theological framework Mm. um but still centered in christ right like if we stay rooted there then it's easy to open ourselves um as we go about this work yeah i mean i think that is the the imagery of the narrow gate and and the narrow road or the the wide gate and the wide road i mean it it can be radically simple with not being easy mm-hmm. at the same time, yep. right? That uh, the call, um, you know, we hear Jesus say, right? Yeah. Great not to, to commit murder, <laughs> but let's work on anger right. and, and where, where that is. And, you know, and we see over and over again how, you know, he tends to make clear that a kingdom way of living will sometimes put you at odds with the social order of the world around Absolutely. you. Right. Um, and, and, and not in the, we're going to fight and win kind of way that it often gets portrayed. Right. Right. Um, but in the, you're going to be challenged to take the high road. You're going to be challenged to be better. You're going to be very tempted to, to see all the splinters in everybody else's eye. Yeah. Yeah. But let's be clear that some of those are just a reflection of of the log that is in yours. (laughs) Um, and, and so that road is not easy. That road no. is hard. And, and that road is one that, frankly, we suck at sometimes. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, but at the same time, you know, I, God is present on that road. Absolutely. And, and God is, is, you know, I just have this image of God walking alongside us. Uh, you know, Ugh. when you go hiking uh, and, <laughs> and you miss the trail by a little bit. Right. And, and yes, especially the, in Dysword Valley. Okay. Their trails are not well marked. <laughs> and and when you do that, you can turn an ankle or you can, you know, mm-hmm. slip five or ten feet down. You can, and sometimes it's it's much more you know yeah. harmful than just falling on your butt. Right. But when you're walking and hiking and, and you do have your foot slip, right? Mm-hmm. And you do physically fall, often you're accompanied, yeah. right? You've got people who care deeply about you along the journey with you. And, and what happens in that moment, right. right? Do they point at you and laugh? <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, or, I was going to say, it depends on the group of friends I'm hiking with. Well, but and, then and it always is Are they is laughing followed. at you or with you? I mean, there, there's, there's an important <laughs> there distinction a there. Um, but they never leave you there. No. Um, and, and so... We can be intimidated by the fact that Jesus says that this the gate is narrow and the road is difficult. Yeah. But the promise is that we're not on that road on our own, right? Mm-hmm. We're on it uh, in community with, with each other and with the saints that have gone before, but also with Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I used to have, like, I've always had, like, a road kind of an image when I think about the direction of, like, my life kind of a thing. And I think that the change from childhood to adulthood was that in childhood I thought, like, there were lots of roads in front of me, which I still think, and, like, Jesus was on one of them, and, like, Mm -hmm. I could be on that one if I, like, worked hard enough, but, like, often I'm on the wrong one, and I'm Mm -hmm. always trying to get back to, like, the Jesus one. And I think as an adult, it kind of got back to where you were just talking about of, like, no matter which road I'm on, Jesus Mm -hmm. is, like... Make like he that that's what like the whole story of the gospel is God coming to yeah, us incarnation yeah. yes. in the like uh, where he where it, it, he had no business being almost you know it's like you're, you're going to he's going outside of the God lines and the God yeah. boxes to reach us and so I so now I don't know I see whatever road I'm on Jesus kind of they all can there's there's a converging point somewhere and Jesus is trying to kind of get me that <laughs> that way so and we're doing it together and that's sort of the that's how I see it now. 
what what you have just described, Kiefer, I think is embodied grace, right? God's grace with us every step of the way. And, and I couldn't help but think, and, and we might get in trouble by going down this road, but sometimes <laughs> going down the road is fun. Um, as we read through this, uh-huh. the you know great Christian theologians and philosophers for century have argued about the the source of salvation and how does it work and you know is it works based mm-hmm. or grace based? Right. I mean, you can hold James and Paul up next to each other, yeah, and, and they you know um, they go I, at it. They go they go at it, and I think they're actually yeah, saying very strong. similar. Yes, <laughs> I, I actually think they're very saying very similar things, um, oh, yeah. but using different language, and so they're talking past each other rather yeah. than with each other. Um, but sometimes the 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 push in here to have the transformation of faith manifest in our life can feel a little works righteousness e mm-hmm. in us, right? And yeah. can make us think that it's something that we earn and that we, mm-hmm. you, Kiefer, you said, I work really hard to get back to the Jesus road. Like I'm trying to catch up to it. Right. Yeah. Like I'm trying yeah. to. Yeah. And, <laughs> and what, what I see in this and why I think it, you know, it's a yes and conversation, not an uh-huh. even more conversation, is that what you beautifully named in your imagery that God's grace and Christ is with us, whatever road we're on, right? And, and that, that that road is is one that ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, is there yeah. there is a hope of a firm foundation, right? And, yeah. and there is some um, pushing in that direction that is important, but it's not solely your work. You're not trying to catch up to Jesus. It is a communal act where God's grace and, and Christ right. are working with you and pulling toward that transformation, right? Absolutely. So the works are an evidence of transformation and evidence of salvation, not mm-hmm. the source of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. And can I just tack on those final two verses again? Uh, yeah. I love that it all, right? Because we've been, it began with Jesus going up on a mountain and sitting down and the disciples and the crowd gathering around him, right? And it, the ending is when Jesus finished these words, the crowds were amazed mm-hmm. at his teaching because he was teaching them like someone with authority and not like their yeah. legal experts. What is, so what is the I so is the word authority does that have like divine implications to like some because why do the legal experts not have authority? I, I, I that sentence. Is I think a it's not that the legal experts don't have authority as much as they weren't. Um, there, I, I feel like the way we constantly see Jesus interact with the legal experts is like from a place of, of defense, of scarcity, of we must follow like all of these like outward kind of things. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jesus is coming in and it's just this breath of fresh air of no, like this is the core of the matter. Like forget all this trivial stuff. Like, and I think that's more of how I read it. I'd have to do some uh, interlinear text looking to be able to tell you if, like, what that word is kind of thing. Yeah, I think part of what is going on here, the authority of the legal experts comes within the God box. Does that make sense? They are experts within the text that they have, where Jesus is coming in a way and offering a message that transcends the box that everybody else is operating in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, you know, to use a, a basketball metaphor, right? For the longest time. <laughs> Wait, um, you're going to use a good. basketball metaphor? Yes, no, I'm just yes. kidding. <laughs> um, I almost used a Game of Thrones metaphor earlier, and I still might. So, <laughs> <laughs> so for the longest time in basketball, the, 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 brand. the way people thought was most effective to score the most points was to get as many shots at the rim as possible, right? Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of two-point shots, and, you, you know, even if you shot 60% or 50% on – let's say 50% on two point shots. That was the way to play basketball. And so Mm -hmm. through the eighties, you know, seventies, eighties and nineties, you had a very close to the rim kind of game. Right. right? Um, And then run away and over here and then over here again. Right. And and, and if you look at shot charts, everything, not everything, but good chunks of things are within six or seven feet of the basket because that's the closest shot. It's the shortest shot. Mm -hmm. Therefore it should be the easiest shot to make. Over the last 10 years, we've seen this sort of transcendent movement to where pe- people actually did the math <laughs> and, and discovered, hey, three points is more than two. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if I make 40% of threes, so I'm getting more points per shot than uh, I am at 50% from twos, right? Yeah. And, and so the game has transcended um, to where, you know, there's still a lot of shots at the rim being shot, but half the shots in any given game are happening from significantly deeper than anybody would have ever dreamed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because 
it has transcended what used to the box of the old way of thinking, right? And so the legal experts are people who have been coached and taught that the best way to optimize basketball is to only shoot shots at the rim. If you, if you are within the paint, you are good. Yeah. Outside the paint is bad. Where the game has now transcended it. So Jesus... And now it's know, a both hand. Now it's a both this hand. Is so, yeah. This so, is such a pastor talking about <laughs> sports. This is so interesting. So so I, while you were talking basketball, um, I pulled up the word in Greek. You weren't taking notes? I wasn't taking oh, basketball notes. I'm sorry. So the word is excusia. And I you, okay. you touched on something that... Um, I think if Jamie Clark Souls was listening to this, she'd be upset that I didn't immediately put it together what word this was, because it is a big word from Matthew's gospel. And so anytime you read authority or power, um, you're in Matthew's gospel. It's really about, um, it's really important because Matthew uh, is communicating to a Jewish population. And so there is like, even though power and authority, this excusia word can be used for like, you know, Daniel has the power to hire and fire you, right? Or like that kind of thing. Uh, it was the easiest like one to... Sure. Yeah. Anyways, but... Uh, Kiefer's crying in a corner. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a terrible example. Right. But it was the one that came to mind looking at the two of you. Okay. Uh, Great. Anyway, not that Kiefer is in trouble with anyone. Okay, moving on. I probably on. am. You probably Some, are somewhere, with somewhere. your sister for stealing her shirt, as we were talking about <laughs> yes, before the podcast. Uh, so anyway, so it's it's about communicating the importance mm. of that power of who God is being given to Jesus to wield and use on earth as God with us. So it makes sense that the end of this important teaching moment, people are acknowledging like it's like the people saying like. Oh, this is from God. Mm. And so then the next really important time where this word comes really into play, and again, Dr. Elaine Heath would be really upset with me for not nailing this one immediately, was that that power gets transferred to the church. Mm. So that word gets used a lot in Mm. the way that the apostles go about and where the church is found and where the church is growing. Um, There is excusia, there's power, there's authority Mm. there. The Game of Thrones metaphor I was going to (laughs) use was that it has to do with authority. It was, it was, it's either, it's either Tywin or Tyrion slaps uh, the annoying king kid at the beginning. What's his name? Joffrey. Joffrey. Um, And, is like I, and he's like I'm king. You can't do that. And he's like any king who has to say he's king. That's Taiwan. Is like Taiwan says it. Yeah, he says you, if you have to say that, like if you have to lead with that, then you're not your a authority good means nothing because yeah. you're not you're not if you haven't earned that like authority like so and so I've thought of that I there was just so much like, I feel like I get slapped by Jesus a lot in that kind of way <laughs> where it's like people lead with that like I've. I've studied the scriptures a lot, or I've like mm. I have this verse that I can throw at you, or I like I yeah. know this much, or I do this and this and this and this. I'm I'm a good Christian. I'm good, kind of a thing. And it's like if you have to, if that's it's not about checking the boxes. It's not everybody who says Lord, Lord. It's not yeah. So it, I just get a lot of those vibes in, in this last uh, get get backhanded by Tywin Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like if you if you tell a joke and then you have to say that was a joke. It wasn't a very good joke. That's like oh. all my jokes. That is about every other one for me. Uh, who did I accidentally offend is, is the constant question for me. Yeah. Uh, I do have to say, uh, on that front, there are some moments where it is selfishly beneficial. So Sunday we preached about the power of our words in, mm-hmm. in worship and looked at James's invitation and acknowledgement that it's often very difficult to tame our tongues, but yeah. that our words have incredible power. And, and the challenge was to empower our community, not just to offer their words with grace and power to God in worship, but to use those words as transcendent mechanisms of God's love and grace in the world throughout each day. And I got to say, in the handshake line after church, Mm -hmm. as the pastor who's just told people to go use their words for positivity, that's a really self-affirming moment right there. (laughs) It worked really. People were additionally doubly kind. And it's like, hey, this is really good. People are still talking about your margarita joke a few weeks ago. People still mention it. It was very funny. That was probably the best pulpit joke I've heard. All right. Well, I almost didn't say it. So there you go. Um, So we're Methodists. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like this is, is this the like 
90 degree turn point to now do Lectio. Yep, so we got to do it at some point. We, we got to get to do it. Okay. So let us, let's do Lectio one final time together mm-hmm. before we enter a season of Lent. Yeah. Amen. All right. where you can pause, I invite you to pause. If you're driving on the road, I invite you to focus in. Take in a deep breath and let it go. Receive the word of the Lord for the first time, this time listening for whatever word or short phrase jumps out and grabs you. Matthew 7. Chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and you will receive. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. What word struck you? Hold it. Offer it as a prayer to God. Hear the word of the Lord for the second time. This time, what emotion bubbles to the surface of your soul? Ask, and you will receive. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. What emotion do you have? Sit with it. Sit in it. Receive the word of the Lord for the third and final reading. This time, ask God, what is God calling you to do in light of this reading? Is it something as tangible that you could do in the next week? Ask and you will receive. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. What will you do? I mean, I, so my word that jumped to me was the very first word, Mm. ask. Okay. Um, I think I'm in a season where there's lots of stuff, you know, starting up around me. So there's lots of like needing to engage with people, talk with people, Mm. to ask people things. Mm. Um, And so for me, it was, it was that ask. And I think the emotion that, um, rose to my surface was a little bit of anxiety. Like I get a mm. little anxious sometimes yep. about like asking people. Cause I'm like, yeah. Oh, am I going to like take no. from their time? Yeah. Are they going to tell me no? Like what's going to happen? Are they going to like see why I care about this? You know, all those kinds of things. Mm. Um, and, but the invitation and kind of the secondary emotion is that I also know that if they say no, it's not because they're like, oh, that Melissa, she's terrible. Like, it's genuinely like there's too much to do or it's not the right fit for them or whatever. Mm. Um, And the invitation was just to keep making the asks Um, Mm. because I've been starting to do a lot of that work. And there's been lots of cool things that are happening and meetings that are coming about. Um, So there's actually like a piece of Mm. like, uh, so the action is to let go of the anxiety. Mm. That's the... That's the action piece, I guess. Very cool. The word that jumped uh, to me occurs multiple times. Okay. And so it's kind of cheating, but mm. that's okay. That's okay. Will. Okay. Mm. Um, and, and, and with it came a sense of assurance. Mm. Um, 
you know, because often there is that anxiety, there's that uncertainty. Yeah. And, and, and often I want to predefine or pre-prescribe um, how mm-hmm. God will respond and how God will show up. <laughs> um, That's funny. Right. Was yeah, that it, a joke? It, <laughs> it, 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 it makes life a joke sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so the, you know, the, the Hebrew tells us or the ancient Jewish practice tells us that asking, seeking, and knocking aren't three separate things, but three expressions of prayer. Right. right, three different expressions of the same thing, and the promise is the same across all three. That mm. uh, there will mm-hmm. be a response, there will be a connection, there will be a, an openness. Right, you will find what you seek. Yeah. Right, you're not going to be given bread um, when you want, or you won't be you given won't a be rock given when you rock want bread. Yeah, or a snake. Or a you snake. Know. Yeah, uh, I can deal with a rock. Chloe would be really <laughs> pumped about a rock. Um, <laughs> She's my weird kid. She loves rocks. I collected uh, rocks as a kid, too. Okay. We'll bond. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure she's a seven, uh, Sweet. too. So just so you know. Oh, yeah. Um, but <laughs> that with the will comes assurance and the action. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're a couple days from Lent beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday, and, and Lent is a time of intention within the church, uh, of preparation. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think my uh, action is to put myself in the places where the will can happen to ask, to mm. seek, to knock. Yeah. Um, we're going on a journey to Jerusalem as a church family. That's right, we are. And, uh, and so we will be, air quote, walking um, <laughs> to Jerusalem across the Atlantic, across the Sahara Desert. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so I think in walking, I'd already been convicted that to be intentionally active walking, running, that kind of thing during Lent is a part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have that time not just be absent-minded, but mm, to be a yeah. place in which mm. uh, there is asking, there is seeking, there is knocking, and trusting that there will um, be a presence of God in that. Mm-hmm. I like that. So, My word was knock, um, and it's because I, was, I just mentioned that song a second ago, the David Ramirez song the, yes. that we've actually had on the podcast before, but... The recurring line it is, tell me where to find the Lord. Mm-hmm. And th- another recurring line it is, is how, how the hell am I supposed to knock on heaven if I can't see the door yep. is, the, is the thing. It's for, that, was, that was just playing in my head. And it just got me thinking about how this, what we're reading, right next to not everyone who says this will enter the kingdom is such a weird pairing because the simplicity of the ask, search, knock, like ask and you'll get it and knock and you'll, and you'll get it. Mm-hmm. And then to, to right after that, say like not everybody, you know, yeah, who who it's it it's almost as if I don't think it's as if he actually is saying, but it's almost like he's saying, but not everybody who knocks will will get it. Like he's clearly he's talking about two different things, mm-hmm. and I think that there's something to be found in there. But the the word knock to me for just I, I guess there there isn't actually a door. Like I think it's more the heart of what he's saying to yeah. is kind of this is the imagery it was getting up to me is that like he's not saying like find the door and then knock on it and uh-huh. it'll be open. It's you're, you are where the door is. Like the door is where you are. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's available to you right now. Like, and, and it's, it's more of the starting point, I think. Um, and I had always, maybe I guess looked at it as more of like the fight, like the final statement that he's making is like, you gotta end up knocking and then you'll, and then it'll be given. But it's sort of that first point is like, just take the step through the, you know, in, in, and, and Jesus will take the step with you. Not the step towards Jesus, but Jesus is, you know, yeah. stepping with you yeah. through the door. And, uh, yeah, so the, the knock, I, I think there was just a big, I'm going to have to, I'm probably going to go home and, like, think a lot about <laughs> this today because a lot of things just, like, f- fired off in my head. But the the feeling I get, it, it was funny because I'm pretty sure last week I had the anxiety and you had the peace. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you just said you had the anxiety this week. And yeah. I totally had the, this sense of peace came over <laughs> me from it because... We're just taking turns. Yeah, there's... <laughs> I just like the the nearness. I've been focusing a lot this last few weeks while we've been talking about it on the the like dual citizenship thing mm-hmm. and the nearness, like the kingdom is here. I'm in it. And mm-hmm. it's also coming kind of the thing. But I've been focusing a lot more on the, the presence of it, the reality, yeah. current reality of it um, while we've been going through this. And so I think there was just a piece with that that I, and a trust, I think, which is usually hard for me to come by, uh-huh. uh, especially with, um, scripture sometimes it, that there's this trust that I felt like just that, that it's here, that it's happening 
And I don't know. I, I, I don't know exactly how to put words to that, but it, trust was the emotion that I felt. Yeah. And that's the beauty of Lectio mm-hmm. is sometimes like we're very clear. It's very concise. So it's right. very easy. And sometimes it ta- it's the it's the first step through the door yeah. that's going to lead to more time mm-hmm. spent wrestling and, and clarifying what's happening in the text and within our soul and with, uh, with us, with God in Absolutely. the midst of all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thankful that you've joined us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. Today, as you go forth into your life and in your world, we want to give you an invitation to grow. And and my invitation is for you this Lenten season with Ash Wednesday beginning just a few days from now on Wednesday of this week is to find time and place to be intentional about your walk with Christ, not... uh, Toward some Christ in the distance, but with the Christ who is imminent and with you in this moment. Uh, we think that begins very faithfully uh, by finding an Ash Wednesday service, finding a place to remember your own mortality and God's place within that. Uh, so if, if you find an expression at your local church, we'd love that. If you find ashes to go at Starbucks, we'd love that. <laughs> if you find wherever that place is um, to deeply connect to God, to commit to a season of intentional practice where you take on or give up. Give up something that gets in the way of your connection to God and take on a practice that helps you as you knock on that door, as you ask and seek, um, so that we might all be on a journey together where we can trust that there will uh, be a response, that God will be present. So your invitation to grow is to find a place to begin your Lenten journey on Ash Wednesday. And then have it truly be an intentional journey. Setting aside the things that get in the way and taking on things that help you walk in the way of Christ. And now go. Receive this benediction, this blessing that's meant to be lived out as you go this week. May the road rise up to meet you. May you walk down the path of life's journey, encountering that Christ is not far or down some different road, but right here, right now, with you. May you go to be stunned and amazed by the words and teachings of Christ this Lent. Amen. Amen.